0: DM me on Facebook or Instagram, or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, hello there. This is Allison Scammell. And in today's episode, we look at the super important topic for an entrepreneur, and that is how to make the sales process enjoyable for both you and your customer. I had so much fun speaking to business coach Tasha Smith about the keys to making the sales process joyful for everyone involved. Tasha tells us the secret to running a successful webinar She shares some fabulous tips for people who feel uncomfortable by sales, and she explains specifically why joy is such an important aspect of business. We end the discussion on a fantastic challenge that will have you creating win-win scenarios for you and your potential clients that feel good to everyone involved, so stick around until the end. Welcome to She Grows. A podcast for soul-guided women entrepreneurs ready to be seen and get fully booked using their unique genius, intuitive voice, and spirit guides. Each week, we'll explore how to create offerings based on what you do best. So you can have a wait list of ideal clients and bring in continuous income. I'm your host, Allison Scammel. Let's get growing. Hey there, She Grows Nation. That is the name of this sisterhood of soul-guided entrepreneurs. Today, we're talking to Tasha Smith about making sales enjoyable. Tasha Smith is the founder of Emerge Sales Training. She is a business coach, speaker, and author. With over 20 years of experience in sales and leadership, she has dedicated her life to helping others. Her powerful vision is that every person who needs to be able to sell to provide for their family will have access to high quality training that brings them the results that they have been praying for. I personally learned so much from my conversation with Tasha. She really does offer specific and actionable advice that you can apply in your business today. So please enjoy. Welcome, Tasha. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm super excited to explore this very important topic with you. Thank you so much, Allison.
1: I'm super excited to be here.
0: Yay. So the listener to this podcast, what would probably call themselves a spiritual entrepreneur or soul guided or in service to their people or the planet. And they, I know, like I think all people struggle with sales, but I think this audience in particular, why do you think? that people who feel in service to others struggle with
1: sales and the feeling of being salesy when they are selling? That's, that's a really good question. I think that there are a few different things that are happening. I'd love to hear which one you think is most prevalent or which one we should go in more detail. First, our culture has this idea of the selfish car sales person who just cares about their own quota. They're making a sale to make money there's the whole Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Hollywood portrayal of sales where it's, you know, about how can you manipulate the always be closing mentality. And so I think this really perpetuates a scenario in which many people through their own experiences, through culture, through whatever, maybe even some of their own self-worth challenges sometimes will come in like imposter syndrome, which we can talk about in more detail. If you like, they they feel that it's a win-lose, right? That if a sale is made, the customer has lost and I have won, right? Like a zero-sum game. And really, that couldn't be further from the truth. A sale is simply, uh, if you look up the, I like to look up the actual dictionary definitions of a lot of the words people use. And you know, the word salesy actually doesn't exist. And I think that's really funny, which means that even the concept of being salesy, Allison, is a social construct. Hmm. It's not a real word. And the actual definition of a sale is an exchange of money for a product or service.
0: That's pretty easy.
1: And the implications of that amount of simplicity, I think, are so critical for people that are in service because people will only give you money if they want your solution more than they want your money. That's when a sale is made. And so our our role, we have to flip it on the other side, right? That making a sale is a gift to someone as opposed to something that we're taking. Like people think I'm taking their money versus I'm giving them a gift and we're doing a fair exchange. We're doing a win-win exchange. And when we look at sales in that matter, right? Because you have something they want and they have something you want. And it's just just an exchange of value.
0: I love that idea of win-lose. I never looked at it that way. And I think that is... Uh, I think that is a big thing. Like if I sell you my, my program, you're going to lose because I get your money. (laughs) Right. Right. That is really interesting. And did you say, did I get this correct? A sale is like, if I'm buying a program from you, let's Mm -hmm. say Tasha, Mm -hmm. I want your solution more than I want my money. Is that what you said? That's
1: exactly right.
0: Yeah. Because that's right. I want your solution. I want results
1: hmm And I think the salesy thing comes in when we flip what we're doing on it. Like we're looking at it wrong and I fall into this. So I've actually been in sales since I was 20. So I just turned 40 last month. So Happy over half birthday. my life. Thanks. Thanks. And I started selling knives and I was nice. too young. I, I was too young to know that this was not something you're supposed to do. Right? <laughs> so you grow up and you're, you know, selling wrapping paper, and then you're selling candy bars, and then you're selling spirit ribbons, right? And then I mean, spirit ribbons, like you remember high school, right? Like you're on the spirit team. And you're like, think about how insane this is. Here's a foil ribbon you wear on football day for $5. Like, can we just talk about the absurdity of that? But people (laughs) wanted, right? They wanted this feeling of I support my football team more than they wanted their $5. Right, right. Yep. And so we were providing a solution, a way to show your school spirit. And, you know, and a a fair exchange. And then I, you know, got to college, and I was going to be a lawyer. And then I got a summer job. And we had actually already had them. And I was like, these are awesome. My mom needs them. My aunt needs them. Everybody needs them. And sure enough, that's what happened. And I was too young to know you were supposed to think that's weird. (laughs) But I was just like, (laughs) obviously, why would anybody want bad knives? You do this every single day. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, right, we go through life. And when I quit my corporate job, it was very clear. It was like, you need to help more people. And there's entrepreneurs out there's people out there, like my specialty's always been in training non salespeople how to sell. So um, not the person it like traditional corporate salespeople, it's always been really your, your type of people that I've always worked with since I was 20, right? College students are not the kind of people that they're like, I'm a professional salesperson, right? They're trying to earn some part-time income. So those were the types of people I learned how to teach people how to sell with, right? They didn't want to be considered salespeople. And what, what I noticed is because I never had that cultural issue. I didn't have so many hangups. It just became so simple. But we grow up. Oh, I was going to tell you about leaving my corporate job. So it was just, it was one of those things where I really felt like God was, it's time to move. There are entrepreneurs out there, they're not making enough money. And if they learn how to sell, they'll be able to feed their families. Because how many people get stuck? I'm sure you see this all the time. In a thousand, two thousand dollars in income, they actually can't take care of their family because they don't know how to make a sale. Right. If I mm-hmm. do five appointments and nobody buys, <laughs> then I'm in trouble, right? You can't serve, you can't actually help the person and, until they move forward. And so when we started working in the space, this hang up came up a lot, which kind of surprised me. So I had to do a lot of research on it and figure out where it came from.
0: Hmm. I love this. So I would, you're 100% correct in that I think a lot of the listeners of this podcast, and I would definitely have categorized myself as this some years ago, would say that we're non salespeople. You know, we're we're here. We're we're coaches. We're healers. We're yogis. You know, and we're not salespeople. Okay, and I think that a lot of listeners feel like getting back to the idea of imposter syndrome. They feel like imposters when it comes to sales. Mm-hmm. So, what do you say? What do you say to these people
1: to help them over that block? Learn we'll how move to move that to- block. Learn how to do it like you would anything else. I don't mean to be snarky or, right? I'm an imposter piano player. So, what would be the first recommendation you would give me? Play the piano, practice. Get a tutor. Get a tutor. Yeah. Right. Watch a YouTube video from a trusted, right? I would go through the same skill development process. See, people have attached identity to this concept of sales. And we've already talked about it. We probably both mentioned it several times. I am a salesperson or I'm not a salesperson, right? That's an identity. And if you've done any habit research, you'll know that habit comes from identity. So if our identity is I'm not a salesperson, we're going to skirt away from any training, right? Because we believe back to the cultural thing that the salesperson is the car salesperson icky gross, right? But Allison, my question for you is, have you ever worked with a good salesperson?
0: Yes. And how did you feel? I'm calling to mind the coach I'm working with right now. She's a fantastic salesperson. And she helps me to produce Mm -hmm. so many results in my life. We just were negotiating about whether we should continue working with each other or not. And the way she presented it, it was a sales pitch, but it was so non-salesy. I thought, there's no way I can say no to this. Like, and like, there's only one answer. Yes, I want to keep working with you. So I don't know, you you asked that question and I thought of her, an excellent salesperson who's not salesy at all and helps me to find solutions, just as you said.
1: Right, she, you probably felt heard, cared for, listened to. The Correct. opposite of what people think of as a salesperson. So that dichotomy is important. And I will argue the difference between the two is training because we've worked mm. with over 8,000 people, we specialize in the network marketing industry. So the out, the epitome of don't be salesy, (laughs) please. Right. And every single person that we've worked with has always been a good human. They want to help people. They believe in the life-changing properties of their products, but they do come across salesy and it's because they have no skill. And so what they're left with is non-expert intuition, right? They're just like, whatever. Right. And they hear these little sound bites like follow up and ask questions, but they don't have any actual practice. That would be like me going up to a piano and just, you know, like our kids do. Well, I do because I don't know how to play the piano, but just like banging the, the keys and it sounds terrible. And it's the same concept when it comes to sales that once you understand that all sales is, is creating win win scenarios. Then what I need to do is I need to figure out how can I communicate in such a way that I demonstrate that they know how much I actually care about them. And one of the things that drives me, um, since I know your audience is right in the spiritual space, is I try to ask myself, who is who is praying for me to show up today? Because when we go to bed,
0: oh, that's a beautiful question.
1: Thanks. Think about. The, you know, you started this podcast with intention, right? I would call it prayer, whatever anyone wants to call it, right? So I wouldn't we go to bed at night, you know, my daughter, she'll pray for her eczema, right? I'll pray for this specific situation. And I'll pray for right our funnels. <laughs> right. Right. Hell yeah. So if I pray for the funnels. Would it be (laughs) like, we need to remember as service providers, there are literally people who are praying at night or in the morning for with desperation for an answer. And we're there to show up, but they do not want a freebie. Right. They don't want to be a charity case. I don't want to be a charity case with my funnel. So I gladly give my money to my coach. Right and yeah. so when we start to reframe like what prayers am i answering and then how do i strike a fair deal in which it's a win-win scenario because it can't be a win for the customer and a loss for us because then we won't retain ourselves we have to make sure it's a win-win scenario i think that really really helps with imposter syndrome imposter syndrome comes from not understanding your expert intuition not feeling like feeling like you're bamboozling someone i'm going right they're going to find out i'm a fraud well, you're only a fraud if you make a promise you can't deliver, knowingly. So if mm. if they're praying for something, right? So my clients, they pray for, what do I even do in my business? Or, you know, I pray that we can earn more income. And then I get to show up and say... I have this answer to prayer for you. It's these really simple steps to increase your confidence, you don't feel salesy, your relationships will be improved, because a lot of time our clients are, are working with people that they know, either from a leadership perspective, or a customer perspective, we'll make sure this happens. So you don't need to worry about that. And you'll make more money, and you'll be able to help more people. And so what I tell people that I, if you believe in the life changing properties of your product, you have a moral and an ethical obligation to learn how to sell well. Because if you don't know how to sell well, your customer is screwed because they're left with <laughs> a piece of paper, right? I can't take that piece of paper, rub it on my belly and like heal my gut or whatever, right? I can't. <laughs> I can't. I actually need the product right? I'm a business coach. And I, you know, a lot of the work I do is an in individualization, we have our membership and stuff like that. Well, I can't just like take a USB drive and take my brain and stick it in your brain, you have to actually join our community and take the stuff, right? Like, that's the only way it's it your prayer is going to get answered. And so I think that helps me a lot. That helps a lot of people is just really reframing that.
0: I. Freaking love this! It's like one of the best questions I've ever heard in terms of thinking about what you offer to people in your business. What prayers am I answering? I am so going to take that. (laughs) Please do. I'm glad you like it. It's 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 beautiful. It really is, and I think it gets us nicely to my next question. With that that in our hearts thinking about what prayers am I answering in my business offerings. Tell us Tasha, I'd love to know what you think are the keys to making the sales process more
1: enjoyable for everyone involved, the client and yourself. Yeah, good question. So, I I like to start with asking what is it that's unenjoyable about the sales process and going backwards. What are what do you find unenjoyable about sales processes? If someone,
0: if I feel like somebody is trying to sell me something I
1: don't feel like I need and
0: they're they're just trying to make a buck. Right. Okay. So
1: that's a huge, right? Like that feeling that you're going to be convinced. So what we want to look at is what are the ways that we can topple that as that's the most unenjoyable thing for the customer is feeling convinced. And the most unenjoyable thing for the person who's attempting to make the sale is trying to convince someone that doesn't want something, right? Do you see how... A win-win is starting to emerge. Yes. Um, And so we're both frustrated about the exact same thing. We have control to change that. And so what we do is we teach all of our clients these five keys. I'll go over them briefly if you want to go in one more detail. Awesome. The first one is as often as possible, set up an appointment. Now, of course, you have online businesses. But in most instances where people are trying to get to the place where they are earning right? A full-time income, they're probably still having mostly conversations with people. And so when you're setting up the appointment, transparency transparency is important. So let's say I was um, going to talk to someone about business coaching, right? I'd say, okay, Allison, like we had established some sort of need. What I usually do is set up an appointment, and we will go over your goals, a little bit about what I do. And basically how coaching works. My part will take about 45 minutes. And you don't have to move forward. But if it's something that you want to do, of course, we'll talk about how to do that. How does that sound? Great, sign me up. Great. So (laughs) when it when it comes to the process, most people will not set up an appointment because there's so much uncertainty around what is going to happen in the appointment, how long it's going to take, are you going to high pressure me? What are we going to go over, right? There's so much anxiety and uncertainty and people don't like that, right? As much as we joke that we love surprise parties, if our spouse doesn't have something planned for us, and we don't know exactly what it is, we're uncertain and anxious. Mm -hmm. And we have to get rid of that from the very get go. And so what we do is we explain exactly what we're going to go over exactly how long it's going to take and remove the pressure right if you want to move forward great and if not no big deal And then ask a consent question is that something you're open to? how does that sound? would you find that helpful? That one setting up your appointment that way will by itself probably almost double it, your your closing percentage because your customer is prepared they feel comfortable their guard is down. the next four keys, are really in that conversation. And then so we actually run all of our webinars with this exact same cadence. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's only one on one. We run, we don't follow all the webinar gurus in the same way, because I'm like, I want to see your eyes. I want to ask you questions. I don't want to do a presentation because I know, like when it comes to sales, right? This the input question is super important. So When we were in the appointment, or even if I were doing a webinar, right, if I'm in a scaling space, I would start off with an agenda. Allison, just as a reminder, what we're going to do today is we're going to go over your goals, a little bit about what I do, and our most popular coaching packages. Uh, My part will take about 45 minutes. You don't have to move forward. But if you'd like to, of course, we can talk about that. How does that feel? Feels good. Okay. And so how do you think that customers respond to that?
0: Good. I mean, good. It's clear. I know what I'm going to get. I know what I'm getting myself into, and I know that there's no pressure for me to sign up for anything. Yep. And were you nodding your head?
1: I was nodding my head. How did you, you <laughs> don't have a video going? I didn't you know that. Because everyone always does, because what you're thinking is that's a fair deal. And so within yeah, 60 right. seconds, I have just agreed. Remember our win win concept? Mm-hmm. Our, my customer and I have just agreed here's what we're going to go over. And if they want to move forward, that's what we're going to talk about at the end. The weirdest part is the transition. And so fool me once, shame on you. Fool me every day, shame on me. So instead of like going, here's the close, we just let them know in the beginning, here's how this is going to flow. We're going to talk about these things, right? And then we're going to talk about what it looks like to work together. And if you want to do it, great. And if not, no big deal. And then they nod their head and they're that. like, that is a fair deal. Um, in the network marketing space, it turns into, you know, if you want to order something, you don't have to get anything. But if you see something like, of course, I'll help you order it today. How does that sound? And they nod their head and they've just agreed if they see something like they're ordering it today, not tomorrow. So what do you think? Ha- like, all that of is the, so good? follow up is eliminated, right? Our Our network marketing clients make sales on their first appointments between 50 and 80%. And the industry average is like 10%. And a lot of it has to do with... I love that.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I've run a lot of webinars since I started my coaching business. And that was like my biggest thing. My biggest hurdle to get over was that shift Mm -hmm. that like, here I am teaching, teaching, giving content, giving value for free, Right. And then, okay, now I'm at the end of the webinar. Here's the time for the energy switch. Now I'm going to be asking you for something in return. And boy, was that, I do it pretty seamlessly now, but that took me so much time to like get over.
1: And I love this idea of just putting it up front. Brilliant. Thanks. What I think also what happens in that space is a lot of people don't even make an offer because it's so awkward. And so what yes. this is doing is it's using the entrepreneur psychology, right? So we think about our service-based entrepreneur, right? With that spiritual, like integrity is so important, right? So what happens is we tell people, you're gonna come to this webinar, you're gonna learn X, Y, and Z. Right. And so now it feels out of integrity to it's almost like a switcheroo. It feels like that. Well, what we need to do yeah. is up front say, we're gonna go over this information. And then at the end, I'm gonna talk about. What it looks like if you want to dig deeper. Well, now my integrity hooked me in a different place. Now I can't chump out of making an offer because I told them I was going to.
0: Yeah, that's really good, and, and it's really good. Awesome. Especially, I think if you're at the be, I, I, think, I think especially the, if you're at the more beginning of your journey, and you're you're still learning how to do the sales conversation, it still feels a little uncomfortable. I love that putting yourself on the hook.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Brilliant. Thanks. The third key is to gain input. So a lot of people like to start with their own story. Teddy Roosevelt says people don't care how much they know. And you know, until, I mean, everyone can finish this. They know how much you care, right? But what do we always start with? We start with talking about ourselves and what their eyes glaze over. And so the very next thing, I do think there's a place to tell your story. So please don't misinterpret it. I'm just going to argue their story goes first. So instead of launching into okay, here's the agenda, we're going to start off and launching into let me tell you about me. Right? We start off with okay, tell me what's going on. Right? Talk to me about your goals. What else? What else? What else? What else? Even on our webinars, we'll have you know, 100 people on. We will, like if I'm doing a I think we're doing a social media webinar next week. And I'll just stop and I'll just say, all right, everyone's on zoom cameras are on like this is really weird like people are like whoa this is weird different and i'll say what's hard for you when it comes to social media and i'll just write down the notes and i've done this for hundreds of webinars same question And i write them down and i ask what else what else what else what else and then i'll say let me make sure i got everything and i'll say everything and then they know that i actually care about them Right, every single person we've ever worked with, they care about their people, but they do nothing to demonstrate it. There's no evidence, and this is where we prove, right, by listening well, because that that shows love, that shows caring. I mean, no one, even people's spouse. Like my husband comes home, I'm like how was work, and he says it was good. I don't say, oh my gosh, that's fascinating. What else? <laughs> like we don't do that <laughs> to, right? Even the people we love the most. And so, what if as entrepreneurs, we did that? We stopped and said, what else? So we took Mm. really, really good notes.
0: Awesome. Yes, 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 yes. And that just, that makes, to quote Donald Miller from StoryBrand, you're making your client the hero of the story and not you. Right. Because we're just the guide.
1: Because they're, exactly. We're the guide. So, so then the next. And that's a brilliant way to set that up from the get go. And do you see how the agenda even demonstrates the guide concept as well? We're going to talk about your goals. We're going to talk a little bit about how I can really walk alongside you. So the guide is setting the agenda, right? The guide is setting the path, your journey, right? And then the next part is when we go to explain whatever we're explaining, we have to use fourth grade language, simple language. So most people, right, for our own importance, we want to explain it in words that are very smart, (laughs) you know, so we can demonstrate how smart we are right? And that falls in this trap of trying to prove your value instead of providing value. And so then I would say, okay, well, we would start with this particular part, right? Like the first thing we need to do is figure out your sales conversation. And but I would link it back, right? I would say, well, earlier, you mentioned, Allison, that you've been doing a lot of appointments, and the follow up is really, really hard. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go over writing your sales conversation. And that will help with that problem that you have that preparation how does that sound so use this combo of earlier you mentioned or have you ever right have you ever sat down to write a social media post and you feel nervous and you're not sure if it's the right thing and then they go yep okay great so you know we'll we'll go over this part next and that'll help with that and so it's just a combination of earlier you mentioned or have you ever and using a common scenario and then it puts everything in normal language that your customer can understand again we're decreasing uncertainty. If you use a word that they don't know, it doesn't make you look smarter. It makes them look stupider, more stupid, stupider, mm-hmm. more stupid. Yep. And people, people <laughs> that feel stupid are not going to move forward. Yep. That's so good. And I have
0: a logistical sure. question. So you have a hundred people on your webinar. You're on zoom. So when you're asking these questions, they're chatting you, this response, uh, right? Me?
1: I, I, or are you, you? I'm i a
0: crazy person. I like so you I unmute? Do. They're actually speaking. I to do, you. yeah.
1: Wow, that's cool. So I mean, we have a we and have it, a high closing percentage. So
0: wait, and do they? And do you, do you get to everybody? Because I would imagine you'd run out of well, time. What's the most important
1: part of the conversation? Their desires and their pain points. Right. Not my information. Oh. Now I owe that. Being said, I always go over. Um, and people just know there's after right. hours. Like there's Tasha's webinar, and then there's after hours. right? Because this is what people do. They prep their presentation for 45 minutes. Well, how much of a presentation do you ever actually want to hear? Yeah. Not much, right? Right. Like what's going to help? You want, you want to take away a couple nuggets, but
0: that's about it, right? And
1: (laughs) that's what all the people are doing. That's the salesy part. That's the convincing, but I don't have to convince you Mm -hmm. if I say what's hard about social media, right? You tell me, crickets, 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 crickets. And I say, okay, let me make sure I really understand you because people move forward because they feel heard and understood, right? Like if I get you, we know this concept, right? I just listened to your last podcast on target market. But if they know that you get them more than anyone gets them, like you get them more than they get themselves, then they're going to trust you, right? Gallup did all this research. What do people want from leadership? trust, compassion, stability, and hope. So here's my question, Mm. the pitch, notice I said sales conversation, not sales pitch, not presentation. And that's a really intentional framing when I built our company that it is a sales conversation, which means it's two sided, my friends. Right? It's not one sided. It's not here's my agenda. And here's all the information I'm going to go over. People don't make decisions because of information, they make decisions based on emotion. And the best way to gather emotion is to make sure someone feels Heard and validated, and you cannot hear someone and validate them unless you actually let them speak.
0: Mm, that's great. So I'm gonna have to come to one of your I'll webinars. Say, yeah, <laughs> see I'll you send, in action. Uh, we have
1: one <laughs> next. I mean, this will go live after that. But like, I mean, I'm nuts. I don't do slides or anything because I'm a teacher. So if you were in my yeah. space, if I were doing a speaking event, I would write on a whiteboard. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do slides. Like you don't have to do that, right? This is my background. This is my experience. Like I said, 20 years of teaching on a whiteboard. So that's how I run my webinars in alignment with my gifts and strengths, not in alignment with Russell Brunson's gifts and strengths. (laughs) Right? Like the, the people out there, they're brilliant. Also me too. Right? And the concepts are all the same, but the delivery... Right. And so we have, gosh, there is a, we build most of our, our list through referrals. I'm sure you can imagine why, right? So we'll run webinars for leaders. We had a list of 13,000 people with 8,000 customers. Wow. Well, that's impressive. And there are average client value in the network marketing space is $1,200. Like that's not normal. And they just stay with us because they'll constantly say you get us. And the reason that our content is always on point is because we've asked 20,000 people what's hard for you, right? When you talk about target Mm -hmm. market, like my coach like, interview 10 people. Great. 10 people. And then you go into a bubble. We ask every week what's hard for you. Every coaching call I do, it starts with what's hard for you right now. Because if I don't know the answers to those questions, how on earth am I going to bring someone to the other side? And so from a logistics perspective, I mean, I obviously have practiced crowd control, right? And so when we let people on for the webinar for the logistics is we use a webinar plan through Zoom. And then we just say, this is an interactive webinar. I'm going to treat you guys like we did treat clients, which means cameras on. So raise your hand. We're going to talk, actually talk. So raise your hand if you want to turn your camera on and your audio on, and we're going to actually have a conversation. So we usually get about 20 takers out of 100. 2025 takers, if they're repeat people, they always know, they just come in and raise their hand. And then I'll say something like, okay, what's hard for you about social media right now? And we just listen and I will do things that are crazy like this, Allison. Okay, wait, tell me more about that. And then they'll tell me more. And then I'll stop and I'll say, okay, raise your hand if you can relate. And now 20 people on camera on the replay are raising their hand and they can relate. And now all of a sudden they're not alone anymore. They're not the only person that feels Mm -hmm. this way. Right. And I'll say, okay, what else? And I'll call on Shannon. And then I'll call on Sarah. And now I'm saying their names, right? All the webinars are like saying their names. I'm like, what? Say what? Like, what would you say to them? Yeah. And so now I can just say, if they're on mute. Right. And I'll watch someone's wheels turn. And I'll just say, hey, Jackie, what's going on in your mind right now? And she'll unmute and she'll tear up because no one's ever asked her that
0: that's so cool Um, so
1: yeah it's it's not conventional except that it is because that's what we would do if we were in person I just think we need to mirror the in-person environment as much as possible over online it's not about being different online than you would be in person it's about being as as more of the same I think yeah yeah
0: This is great Tasha. Oh my gosh. So we're talking about how to make the sales process enjoyable. So let's get to why, why does it matter? I mean, why is joy so important in business? I mean, yeah, it's obviously, yes, we want it. We want to enjoy our
1: experience, but why is joy important for our business growth? So I made a big mistake. And this is when I started studying joy. So when I started, I love one-on-one coaching. It's my favorite thing in the world. So I thought I'll start a one-on-one coaching practice. Well, we grew like crazy grew. So we grew the first year I quit my job from 82,000 in revenue, which is pretty solid for the first year. We made about 45,000 in profit. Um, And the next year we did 1.4 million. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's some Except serious oops, growth. right? So what I ended up doing is hiring out all the coaching and taking the role of the CEO. And I hated my company. Not my people in my company, mm. not my clients. Clients were still getting great results. Like that wasn't really an issue. But the thing that brought me the most joy was stripped. But here's what started to happen. Resentment filled the gap right? Because I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. And over time, the joy, what had created that hyper growth, the fact that I was operating in my zone of genius and in my joy zone. And so people want to be right, confidence, belief and enthusiasm, they are contagious. So are lack of belief and confidence and enthusiasm. And so what started happening is my lack of confidence, belief and enthusiasm started spreading, because I was doing Mm. CEO stuff, right? Managing, right? Versus coaching. And that wasn't, that was horrible for my health because I was in a constant state of stress and eventually ended up losing a lot of money. Like hundreds and thousands of dollars. (laughs) Every entrepreneur has that moment, right? And now, now it's just like, all right, Tasha, you need to be on Zoom six hours a day. Like you just need to be coaching something. And so my business partner runs all those other functions. We decided to have a much smaller team because I just wanted to coach all day. And we saw growth instantly, right? We patched it. We first, of course, had to patch up all the holes and we started growing again. And every quarter after that, our profit started increasing. And so our expenses are lower now, but I just learned such a big lesson. And so I started looking at some of the top People that I was working with, and they were exhausted and they were tired. And they were coming to me, even though we're making, you know, 100, 200, 300,000, 400,000 a year, but they were about to quit. And it was because they were no longer doing the things that brought them joy. And so, what what I think happens is we have to remember the most important person we need to retain in our business is ourselves. So, what we do is we do a really simple exercise, just a T grid. And it's on the left side. What are the activities that bring joy and energy in my business? I write those things down. And on the right, what are the things that suck my energy and joy? And we don't let anyone off the hook, right? So I believe in like a two-thirds, one-third balance. So I just had a coaching call at seven. I have you, right? These are clearly joy activities. I have another call at 130. Um, in the middle, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna write story posts, <laughs> which is not in my <laughs> joy zone. But it's, it's a path to my joy zone. And so I have mm. to, anything that's on the right side, I have to either reframe, how does this help me reach my joy zone? Or I need to change my skill. So when I'm bad at something, we'll use sales in this example, right? Sales conversations might suck someone's joy. Well, why? Because you stick at it. So you have to analyze something on, on the lack of energy, lack of joy. Is it a skill issue, right? Is it that I need to reframe it on my path to joy or... And then everyone will say, delegate it. And I certainly that's potentially an option if you're good at delegation, but otherwise it'll create more havoc if you don't know how to delegate. Or do you just need to suck it up, have a glass of wine and do it, right? I hate writing slides when I write courses with all my heart and soul. Remember, I want to be with someone. <laughs> but I can't figure right, out how right. to outsource it because no one can get in my head and arrange it the way I arrange it. No matter how high caliber, yeah, like it's a, it, that my arranging is like part of my zone of genius. And so I can't get around it. So I get a nice bottle of wine and, you know, I'll have a glass of wine. And I'll make my slides and I'll listen to Pink and we'll be happy. Pink and I will be happy together and we'll make our slides <laughs> and it'll stink, but it's on the way to joy. Right. And I always try to remember that. This. And so I look at it as a math equation. You start your joy with five. So if I woke up this morning, I didn't feel good when I woke up. I was like, why am I starting work at seven? Oh my gosh. And so I start with four joy units. But then I have my one of my favorite clients, right? Now I'm up to six. Now I'm meeting with you. Now I'm up to seven. So I can wait. Like I have I oh, have something, good. maybe eight. Maybe I'll give you eight. This is pretty great. Right. Two <laughs> to get it. just I'll as many it. as Bailey. <laughs> and Right, so now I'm up to A, and I have more than enough energy and joy to suffer through writing social media posts <laughs> until I get to my one thirty, <laughs> where I get a few more picks. Right, and so if I have to like meet with my accountant in the middle, which is horrible, right? Like I have enough. Po- it's deposits and withdrawals, and so I try to arrange days so that two thirds of my time is in the joy zone, and one third of my time is in the non-joy zone, and in that way. I'll always have a positive balance. I'll retain myself. More importantly, my confidence, belief, and enthusiasm will spread to my customers, clients, people that are interviewing me on a podcast, etc.
0: Oh, this is fantastic. And I truly believe that you can hustle your way to six figures and just you know work your way through and not be thinking about the things that bring you join your business and just hustle your way. But I think when you get to six figures and you want to get to multi-six and then seven,
1: I just don't think you can hustle. You can't. You run out of hustle, right? I, I think so. I think it's hard to even get to six figures unless you have joy. So here's what I noticed. And I'll play a little devil's advocate. I'll send most people when they start their business, they grow in the beginning because they're running on joy. They're so excited, mm-hmm. right? So when I started, I was like, everyone needs to know how to sell. This is amazing. You need to know how to sell. You need to know how to sell. And every leader needs a webinar with me because this will change. I'm so green and so enthusiastic and so excited. Boom. Then all of a sudden, right? This corporation was like, what are you doing to our people, right? And you start to have some of that play in. I changed my role. And then I stopped having joy. And that's when we started shrinking. So what I tell most of my clients, like this comes back to the sales and the service part, okay? So your audience, my clients, they're all about, serving people, solving people's problems, right? So what happens is they do that to get to six figures, and then they stop doing that to try to get to maybe 300,000. And the, it's not, the problem isn't the business model. The problem is they, the thing that brought them joy was delivering results to clients. And now all of a sudden, they're writing Facebook ads all day, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: that becomes a really big problem because the question is, is our business for our life or is our life for our business? And we spend so much time, 10 hours, right? As new entrepreneurs, 10, 8, whatever, right? So much time working and a simple tweak, right? Will make us happier there, which will make us happier with our family, which will also then increase our results over time. The hustle comes in when we're trying to rush the results, right? And trying to do compare and despair stuff, which moves us out of joy. As soon as you tell me, go now, go do... In person speaking events, right? I don't like to travel. So do this and then you'll be successful. Well, I'll be so overwhelmed, so much in comparison, despair, all of those things. I'm not going to do well. Like, it, I think it actually creates a scaling problem. So, what I said is no matter how much we grow, and obviously the scaling is through online courses and memberships and sales systems and stuff like that. But I will never stop one-on-one coaching. Everyone's like, get out of that. Time for money. And I said, nope, it's my favorite thing in the world. I will always have a handful of clients. That, Ma- is, so good. Many, that is so, well, maybe so good. Maybe not as many as I do now. Sure. But sure. I will never make but- that mistake again. That is really
0: fantastic. I love it. Oh my gosh, Tasha, this has been really, really like, you kind of rocked my world with how you run webinars. <laughs> so I, I'm like going to totally be rethinking of it. And I think I'm going to sign up to one of yours and just watch. I'm going to raise my hand. You should raise
1: your hand. Yeah, that would be amazing <laughs> well, this time next week.
0: so. Okay. I'll be there. I'll be there. So I like to put my guests on the spot, but you've listened to one of my episodes. You might be ready for this question. Can you leave our listeners with a challenge?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to give you an impact challenge. And what I want you to do Ooh, I like that, is I want you to write down, I'm not going to give you something like super hard. I want you to write down three humans that you positively impacted with your business that day. My coach taught me that the more people you impact, the more your income will grow. It also keeps us in the game and it keeps us in service and answering prayers like we've talked about. So if I, I could write down today, right, can I write your name down, Allison? But I, did I positively impacted you. Absolutely. So I it put me number so one on the list. Pacific time. So I helped Bailey, my client. I also helped Allison. right? I already have two down yes. and it's only 850. So if you positively... Hashtag slay. If you positively impact (laughs) three people per day, that's a thousand impacts a year, your business will grow and it'll keep you... There's so much research, I won't get into that, but about motivation and purpose and mastery and aligning all of that. And so I got a cool message on a story post. We're talking about those. Story posts suck, right? Hate doing them. But I wrote one yesterday. It showed up. Somebody said, I needed this today. Thank you right? I'm going to put that person's name down on my impact. And if I do that ever, if I, that's what I focus on is what am I doing right now to create three impacts today? I'm going to, I'm going to be okay in my business. That is a spectacular and do challenge. It for, do it for well a week. done. Thank you. Uh, you can use the five minute journal app yeah. to track that is the easiest way to do it. Five minute journal.
0: Yes. Yes. That is so excellent. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for... Taking the time. It's early in the morning. It's in, you know, it's almost quitting time for me here in Central European time. You're up early. You took the time to chat with us. I'm so grateful. I know there's going to be a lot of listeners who are going to want to get into your world and learn more about what you do. So please
1: tell our listeners how they can find um, you. You're more than welcome to follow our main Facebook page. And that is just uh, the, na- the name of the page is Network Marketers Rising Up. We do a lot that is in the general entrepreneur space because we look at, at that profession as an entrepreneur. But I want to give you guys a gift. I was thinking about this conversation. And I thought your next question is, okay, great, Tasha. Now, how do I write my sales conversation in the way that you explained? And so what we decided to do is to give you guys a two-week trial to our membership that has our time management training, our personal social media strategy training, and our all of our sales conversation, inviting and writing the sales conversation that converts. Um, and that's going to be free. You'll have 2 weeks to do it. And I chose 2 weeks because I didn't... I know that you're going to get 70 million Facebook ads in the meantime. So if we give you a short time frame, you're more likely to do it. There's not going to be a credit card required. You can just go in, You know, give your email so we can create a login for you. You'll be able to start taking those courses right away. Just take a couple hours. All the templates are there. Really, really easy. It's built for people that have no sales background. And you can use it for coaching and service providing outlines. And so you can just go to EmergeSalesTrain.com slash grows that, That'll be easier for you guys to remember and get in that trial and start working on your sales conversation. And our mission is if you need to be able to sell to feed your family, we're here to help. And we want to give you that gift.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so generous. And all of those links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much. I'm going to check that out myself. That is a super great gift. Very, very generous of you. Thank you, Tasha. And thank you again so much for sharing your wisdom. I just really, really enjoyed connecting with you and I learned so much. I'm so much. glad, Allison. Thank you. I thank you so much for listening. And if you're loving this episode, which I hope you are, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever it is you listen. And I'd be so super grateful for a rating and review so more people can find us. And if you'd like help calling in your ideal people, then download my PDF guide that reveals the five visibility blockers that are preventing your ideal clients from finding you. Your offerings are way too important to remain invisible, so this guide will help you be seen and get fully booked you can find a link to download the guide on my website alisonscammell.com as well as in the show notes